baptized in Jesus name and are telling now both far and wide his power is yet the same I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them oh I'm one of them yes I'm one of them oh I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them oh I'm one of them I'm one of them so glad that I can see. Let's sing the last verse, Brother Jonathan. Come, my brother, seek this blessing that will cleanse your heart from sin. That will start the joy bells ringing and will keep the soul aflame. It is burning now within my heart. All glory to his name. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them, one of them, hallelujah, one of them. glad they can say they're one of them amen did you know that you're God's best that of all of the people that have been put on this earth over the last 6,000 years you think of a relay race a relay race that's run God puts his best last and that means that the message is not just for your parents that means that the message is not for your grandparents it was and it is but it's for you we're one of them amen Welcome everyone to the house of the Lord. How many is happy to be here tonight? Amen. I just wanted to make a couple things I just wanted to mention right before we get started. You might have heard mention every once in a while that there's been prayer meetings going on a little bit on Tuesday nights. And in a couple of weeks from now, we'll, we'll have, as I understand the plan, we'll have a kind of an open prayer meeting that restrictions are kind of coming off and we want to try something more. Um, so you'll hear a little bit more of that to come. But in a couple of Tuesday nights from now, um, the church will be invited for a prayer meeting, optional as you feel to come. But I wanted to give a special invite for the young people. If you want to come, you're welcome to come. So it'll be at 7.30 on a, on a Tuesday night coming up. There'll be more on that. But um, how many has been enjoying the services Brother Andrew's been taking on the open book? Amen. I think he's just been doing a wonderful job. And it's so important to know where we stand in the Word and, and that we stand with an open book in front of us. But I wonder if we could just bow before the Lord and how many have a need that they'd like to bring before the Lord tonight I know I sure need him and Heavenly Father we just want to come now into your house Lord and we thank you for your presence thank you for coming Lord 
Lord, we know when you come, Lord, you're the one that reduces all the fear. You're the one that dissolves the doubt, Lord. You're the one that melts all the anxiety, all the ups and downs of the week. But Lord, if we can just come in your presence, oh God, you're the one that makes a difference, oh God. Lord, we just want to come, maybe many needs that we'd have, maybe the week or the month or the year. Maybe someone's whole life has felt like it's been upside down, but Lord, it's moments like this that you can come, that you can turn a heart around, that you can turn a life, that you can move, Lord Jesus. Lord, we just want to come knowing that you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords and that you're more than able, Lord. We want to bring our needs, our desires, every thought that we have, Lord. I just want to get myself out of the way. Lord, I just pray you take this thought that you've put on my heart, Lord, and we just want to commit it all into your hands. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you can turn to, with me to Psalms chapter 42. Psalms chapter 42. This is a thought that's a little different. I feel like I say that probably every time. It always feels a little different to me, but this thought, how many has been in Young Peoples for more than five years here? Okay. In 2016, this was a thought, the very first thought I ever took where Brother Ed was like, hey, can you take the whole sword drill and make it a whole service? And this thought was the thought that I took at that time, and it just came back to me to, to take it again. So I think many of you maybe would have never or would have never remembered it anyway. But it's freedom by desire. Freedom by desire. And I just, I don't know if it'll be probably maybe different than the first time I ever thought of it, but it had so struck me at the time. But Psalms chapter 42. And I'm going to get to there myself. So this is, this, this is the, the text that Brother Branham would take in the message Thirst. He's talking about a deer running away, that the, the, the deer that would be wounded and, and, and running. Brother Brandon would tell this story. And if, if he can just get to water, he can live. As the heart, which is the deer, panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them into the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and from the Hermonites and from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep. At the noise of thy water spouts, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me. And my prayer unto God of my life, I will say unto God my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of my enemies? As a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me. While they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? And then he encourages himself, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. God bless you. You can have your seats. 
Brother Brandon would take those first, I think, three verses and he would preach the message thirst and, and he would start to say, I think David in writing of this psalm must have been in distress. And it usually takes distress to bring the best out of a man. It's really, that's when God gets us down when we fast many times to get ourselves in position to get ourselves out of the way. And I think when God got in these, when David got in these places, then he began to meditate on the Lord and think about the things. Many times God gets us in tight corners where we have to look up. Sometimes we even have to get on our back in the hospital or a bed somewhere so we can look up to see where the great blessings of God come from. Brother Branham would drop down and he'd begin to talk about thirst. My, my thought is freedom by desire. Then I was looking out and thinking about that word thirst. So I looked up in the dictionary to see what it means. And here in Webster it says it's a painful desire. Something that when you want it so bad that it becomes painful to you. Freedom by desire. See, Brother Branham also says it's not an unnatural thing to thirst. Thirst is a natural thing. The desire that we have for a drink of water, in fact, if we didn't have a drink of water, we would die. Brother Branham would say, Jesus went for 40 days, but likely not without water, probably only without food, because we can't last very long without water. You can, only, you can go for a while without food, but water is something you're made out of. Water is something that you desire and you need, and there's, God's put a control tower in us to know, ah, there's something wrong, I'm thirsty, I need something to live. God built it, it's, it's automatic. It's something that's deep inside of you and there's something that will meet that need. It's not an unnatural thing to thirst. Thirst is a natural thing. It's just simply, simply something that God has given us that we could give a desire for something. God has given you a control tower. Now we find, dropping down, God gives the control tower to you to give you the things that you need. Now the control tower in you is what directs you dropping down now there's a control tower in your soul that tells the spirit tells you the spiritual things that you have need of something in your spirit and by you and and you by this can tell what kind of a life is controlling you there's something that we crave with all of our lives i'll ask you this question something that you can think about in yourself has there been something from the, from the moment that you started to gain consciousness, the moment you started to come to church, or the moment you might have heard about God, that struck down deep to say, there's something about that that's real. Amen. That's a deep that calls to a deep. And that means that there's a deep that has something to respond. That pull that you felt all your life, that little something that made you feel a little bit different than all the other kids, all the other people that could do things and have no conscience about it, all the other, maybe good people, maybe bad people, but no matter how good or bad you were, no matter how good or bad you are, there's a desire for something that's beyond. And you might not be able to get there. You might not feel, you might feel completely hemmed in by all kinds of things, but there's something there. There's a pull. Brother Branham would say, when you, when you can see what desires you are, then you can tell by what that kind of thing that's in you that's creating this desire that you have. So now as much as we have a desire for God, there can be many other pulling desires. And the one that's ultimately directing your life, you can see what's on top of it all by it. It's, it's the one that's pulling you. 
and this way and that way. But still beyond all of the desires of life, there's a true desire. There's a real desire. There's something that goes all the way down to the soul. Now, we all have dreams and desires and goals and plans. How many would have a, how many has a dream or a desire? Many, how, many, how, many is, how many knows, how many isn't grown up yet, isn't finished school, but knows what they want to be when they, wanna, when they grow up? <laughs> Brother Andrew, what do you want to be? Do you know what you want to be? That commercial, commercial cleaner. Someone else, anyone else? Brother Andrew, what do you want to be when you grow up? A real preacher, he said. Someone else? Go for it. A leather business. And a little farm. There's a desire. A desire that we can have for a business, for life, for our, 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 our income. Many times what we do for a job can be a reflection of who we are. Our, what we're good at, what we're gifted at, what God gave us in our own two hands to be able to make a living on this earth. Anyone else? Did you always know you wanted to be a chemist, Brother Max? (laughs) We got one in the back. Accountant? We need someone to count all the money for a fee. (laughs) We all have desires. We all have dreams. We all have goals. And now... Brother Bradham defined thirst as a painful desire. So that thirst we have is something that's a painful desire. The word desire means a strong feeling of wanting to have something or wishing for something to happen. A desire to work in the dirt with your bare hands, which is not my kind of desire, but some people's kind of desire. (laughs) Synonyms, a wish, a want, an aspiration, an inclination, an impulse, strongly wish for or want. Brother Brandon would tell this story about this little boy who they couldn't figure out why he kept going and eating the, the tires off of bicycles. And they, they, he would go and he would eat the tire off a bicycle. You imagine that. It sounds, it sounds crazy. But he would eat that. And, and they began to test him and they began to realize that the boy, the doctor said it was this, the little boy, his little body needed sulfur. And he was eating that rubber because there was sulfur in that rubber. He probably didn't realize it, but there was just a pull, and he had ate it once, and it helped him out one time before. And he was eating that rubber off. Now, there could have been any... Now, before there could have been any crave for that sulfur, there had to be something in it. There had to be something he needed, something he lacked. And if there was something he lacked, there was something to meet it. There would be something out there... In other words, like I'd say this, Brother Brandon would say, before you can have a desire, there has to be a creator to create that desire. Before there's a creation, there has to be a creator. How many here believes in divine healing, he says? Let's see your hands. All right. If you believe there's something in you that says that there's healing somewhere, divine healing, there's bound to be a creator to create that desire. And as sure as there's a desire in your heart to be healed by divine healing, There's a fountain open somewhere. A long time ago, when when the church got formal and everything, God help us not to get formal, the people began to crave more of God. The baptism of the Spirit came into existence, he says. 
See, you were hungering and thirsting for more of God, and as long as you thirst for more of God, there's bound to be more of God somewhere to respond to that. And of his kingdom, there is no end. If there's a deep calling, there's a deep to respond. Brother Branham would say this, did you know that 86% of the conversions to Jesus Christ is done before 21 years old? Statistics show it, he says. 86% that comes to Christ comes before they're 21. He says, and it's not to say you can't after, but you can, but after you pass that age of 21, he says, you become molded or set in your ways. He says, oh, it's possible. They come 70 or 80 years old, but it's very rare, he says. And then he says this, you make yourself when you're young. You set your ambitions to what you want to do and what you're trying to achieve in life. You think of it. And as you think of it, of course, your mind, it's presented in your mind by an unknown something that dominates your mind. And then it becomes your, in your mind and you speak it. And then you go to do it and your ambitions drive you to do it. Those desires that we have to, to have school, that's a good thing. To, to, to work, that's a good thing. To have a career, that's a good thing. But there's another desire we have to look at. And that's that desire that says, if there's a pull to you to say, that says, I want to serve God. I want to live for God. I believe this message is true. Dwell in that, too. Make that the principal theme of everything. Make that your true one desire. So when you really want to do something, when you really have a desire to, 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 to build a business or to, or to have a, a dream or a goal, Brother Brandon would say, you think about it. It's something that begins to consume your mind. It's something that you talk about, hopefully you pray about, and then eventually you do it. Because when a desire so consumes you, it takes over everything and it becomes the thing that you have to do and you want to do. Desire will overcome incredible odds. You think about the Olympics going on right now and the crazy training, eating, sleeping schedules, COVID rapid testing schedules, all kinds of things that they have to go through to try to get on that stage and make a medal. That desire they have to be the best in the world overtakes everything else. That desire overtakes what their family time, friend time, any other time, any other hobby, anything else, it consumes them because in order to be the best, they have to be better than everyone else. And that can be down to a fraction of a second or, or, or just an extra pound or, a, or a, an extra half of a spin up in the air on a snowboard. To get somewhere, they have to have incredible desire. You think of climbing Mount Everest or doing great, incredible feats or even coming through a great disaster. You're the one that's the survivor. That desire to live is what pushes you through. That desire that says, I believe it's possible. I believe it's possible. Desire will overcome incredible odds. Now, when we, when we, when we grow up in the message and when we, we begin to serve God, or as we grow up in church and even that desire is there, but we don't know what to do with it. 
or we are, are burdened by so many things. I, I think that the, the most miserable existence that I know, because I've lived it, is to know where God wants me to live and know what's been set out and not be able to live it. And really to not quite believe it's possible. Because I've seen the ups and I've seen the downs and I've seen my own humanity. Brother Branham would say this. I've seen, well they say, he says it's it's something natural. It's not an unnatural thing to thirst for God. It's a natural thing to thirst for God. It's something that you should do. God has made you up like that. It's no superhuman thing. It's a common human thing. They say, well, I've seen people live such a victorious life that they're constantly on the housetop. They're praising God. I wish I could be that way. Well, that's the reason you're feeling that way. The reason you're feeling that way is there's a thirst in you. And it's just a natural thing. It's for every person to thirst for God. I wonder if we could turn to to Romans chapter 7. How many is doing all right so far? Romans chapter 7, verse 4. It says, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him that is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruits unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, we should serve in the newness of the Spirit. Let's drop down to verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. This great message that we're called to live is a spiritual message. It's full of power and it's full of life, but we're stuck in dust. Human flesh that stinks and rots and messes up every day. The law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. And then he begins to list out his frustration with life. Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost and a prophet to the age. He says, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. I'm going to stop right there. How many ever heard of the word cognitive dissonance? I hope this isn't too jumping around. Cognitive dissonance. Believe it or not, I took that word in 2016. This is the feeling. Cognitive, the mind, the brain, the functions. Cognitive dissonance is something that's disarrayed, out of order, something that's not quite there. Cognitive dissonance is the feeling of uncomfortable tension, which comes from holding two conflicting thoughts in your mind at the same time. Two poles, living between two desires. Dissonance increases with the importance of the subject to us. Some things don't matter a whole lot. I like this, I like that. But when it's important, when it's a controversy, when it's something that's important to you, the dissonance increases if you've got two different pulling forces. The dissonance increases with how strongly 
the dissonant thoughts conflict. You got one side, you got that side. This world today is full of polarization. This side, that side, and they pull so hard against each other. And it also increases with our inability to rationalize and explain away the conflict. If we, can't, if we can get away with just, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. But when we can't put it away, I'll say when we come to Christ and we, when, we're, when we're trying to serve God, but we, we have these competing desires. Brother Brandon would talk about a person that lives between two desires. And we can't get away from it. We, we ought to know that it's true. We ought to know that the word is true. But there's this pull this way that says, I don't think you can quite live it. I don't think you can quite do it. Dissonance is often strong when we believe something about ourselves and then do something against that belief. Dissonance is often strong when we believe something, like I know I ought to live it, but then we don't. The guilt, the the mind being torn apart, I believe I'm good, but do something bad. The discomfort that I feel as a result of that is cognitive dissonance. It's this pull. It's, this, it's anxiety. It's tension. Cognitive dissonance is a very powerful motivator which will, allow, which will often lead us to change one of the thoughts. Now, when we live between two desires and the battle comes on to a head, one side and the other side, and it comes to a spot, eventually you pick one, and you set yourself that way. Eventually, that's the path you choose, and you entrench yourself. Now, I'm speaking to young people here. We're all, there's a mix of ages, but I just want to take this moment here and this thought, because this may not be the case, someone that would be down the road for 10 or 20 years, But I believe that one of the important, huge battles for a young person, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, is not so much the pull to go to the Baptist church next door. It's not so much the pull to go to the Catholic church. The pull that we fight as young people, I know, I've been there, is the world. Worldliness is the major sin of our day, Brother Branham would say. The pull of the world, and we can build up desires in us or have desires that are trying to be planted in us. We know something's true. We know something's right. But the pull of the world is a very strong pull. The world will tell you, I hope this is okay. The world will tell you that they they want you to go to their parties. I'm going to talk about high school a little bit. I'll talk about junior high a little bit. Maybe we haven't done this so much. The world will want you to go to their parties. The world will want you to be involved with questionable things on social media. The world will want you to lust. It'll encourage it. The world will want you to go out drinking. The world will tell you that the cool kids all vape, or whatever they do now. The the world will tell you that all of the cool kids are on this social media the world will say it's okay to, to run down and talk about the, the unpopular kids. They're kind of dumb anyway. The world will, will pull and, and, and present all of its best fineries. You think about it. I, I'm going I'm to I'm hope 
I, I want to come back to this thought and kill it later, but the thought will come, how in the world would I take a rapture at 12 or 13 or 17 or 18? I won't have done anything yet. Why would I give my heart to God now? Could I, I would feel like I got cheated out of life if the rapture happened today or tomorrow. It's a thought. I didn't get to do anything. I didn't get to do this. I didn't get to do that. I'd, and, and God would, it, it would come too quick. You'll never, I'll kill it now, you'll never, the, the whole world system is based on a perverted version of what God had in his mind. Every single part that the world offers, the buildings that the world has, God has a city. Amen. The creation, the beauty, the splendor, the people, God has people. God has a creation. God has, the, the devil can't have any new idea because the devil cannot create. Every temptation, everything that, the, that Satan would try to offer us in this present world is nothing but a perversion of something there. Because the devil cannot come up with anything new. He can only pervert. Brother Branham would say, there was someone that came up to him and said, Brother Branham, will we hunt up in heaven? Well, I just love, I just love to go, I think it was hog, boar hunting or something. He says, he says I, just, I, lo- I love it so much. What, wouldn't we do that there? And he says, Brother, imagine if you were a pig. And then you became a human. Would you ever want to go back and roll in the mud again? No. He says, now multiply that. I don't remember the number, but I'll say 100 million times. That will be the switch from being a human to being a glorified human. Yes, it's all a perversion. There's a representation, I believe, of somehow there's a something of everything that's all just a perversion. But not only that, well, our desires will be on a whole nother level. There will be no 13-year-old that will ever miss out from being raptured. There'll be no 18-year-old ever miss out. No 25-year-old ever miss out that they, they didn't get to do this, or the, but that they got their life right with God and they overcame the devil. You'll never miss out going to heaven. Jacob had a desire. Remember the story of Jacob? How he came and his brother had, was given the birthright or was supposed to be given the birthright. birthright. And his mom said, well, you, you, you just dress up, like, you dress up like your older brother Esau. You put the, the hair on your arms and you make yourself smell like him and, and then try to talk like him. And, and he went in and, and, and seemingly deceived his father, but God always has a plan and always allowed it to happen. Isaac was a prophet. He had such a desire for God. (laughs) He had such a pull, and I'm not advocating that we lie and cheat and steal. But it didn't matter how he got it. That desire became so important to him, and for Esau, it was opposite. That desire wasn't worth a whole lot. Eventually, it came down to a bowl of soup, and there was a point where he wanted his inheritance and different things. Jacob's desire was so strong Eventually, he comes to a spot. I know I'm jumping through this, but he comes to a spot where he's on the river, and he's already sent his wife. He sent his wives over. He sent his family over in two different companies, so if Esau gets the one company, the other one's safe, and you find out he's got his favorite wife in the back and the other wife a little farther ahead, and he was quite the coward. Didn't care a whole lot about certain things. 
but he wasn't a coward after. When he began to take that desire and say, oh God, he began to pray that night before he met Esau. And he began to say, oh God, and he began to, the scripture says he wrestled with a man all night. He had such a desire. He had gotten, there was that, that birthright, the inheritance, it was all his, but, but he was still Jacob. He was still a shyster. He was still a liar and a cheater. He had just finished cheating his, his uncle Laban. But there was such a desire that that wouldn't be the case, that God, he began to wrestle with God all night. And God touched the hollow of his thigh and he never walked the same. And that desire brought him his freedom. That, that desire that he had for freedom, that desire, that push that he had, brought him through all, all of the other things. Now he could go before Esau and it didn't matter what happened next. The Bible says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The things that we go through on this earth, the things, the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs, they're doing something for us. I wasn't sure if I would, where I would go with this, but when I told this, when I, when I spoke this service in 2016, and I feel like I'm all over the place right now, or not where I ought to be maybe, but I was the, I was, I was at, I was in school at Nate, and I, when I, when I went to school there, I got involved with the student government things there, and God opened some doors, and I began to get involved with their students' association. And I went on a conference. And I want to tell a little story. Maybe this will help someone. I don't even fully like this story now. I get more ashamed of it maybe as I go on, but maybe not ashamed of it, but maybe things that I've done back then I wouldn't do today. But I went out on a conference, and we were out going to Whistler, BC, which is far away from a lot of places, kind of the middle of nowhere. It's kind of like Banff, but in BC, so it's even cooler. And I was with a whole bunch of people, and I want to say this. When we're raised in the message, we're raised in a bubble. Your parents will decide how thick the walls are for you, and don't ever despise your parents for how thick or thin they make them. That's your parents. The parents made the choices, and God led them. But some people have thick walls. Some people have thinner walls, but, the, but you're in a bubble. Only so much gets out. Only so much gets in. You go to school. Maybe you're homeschooled. Maybe you've got this or maybe you've got that. But your parents will control what you can do, what you can see, all of your access to the world. And while you're in that stage, before you have freedom as an adult and different things, your parents are praying that you'll get the Holy Ghost. Because there comes a day when the bubble pops. And you've got to stand on your own. And there comes a day where you're going to have to step out into the world and it doesn't matter. Mom's not there. Dad's not there. They're not going to be there at the end of the night either to check up on you. They're not going to be. They're, not. they're gone. And the bubble pops and you're completely on your own. And that will be a test to see where, well, where do I stand? Because like I said, it's not so much a pull of denominationalism that gets at young people. 
the pull is all of the alluring things in the world. There's that girl there, or, or there's that, that thing there, or, or the, the sports, or the, and it can pull you so far down a path that eventually God wa- the devil wants, sin will take you farther than you ever thought you'd go, and it'll keep you longer than you ever thought you'd stay. But I went out on this little conference, and it was about a, I think it was about a week out in BC, or a few days, a good chunk of a few days. That's really specific. A good chunk of a few days. And so we went out to BC. We're in a hotel. And let me try to paint a picture. I don't want to get, but you, we're, we're, we're humans. I was with smart, intelligent people. I was with good-looking people. I was with this. I was with that. We were all in a hotel. We were, they, those people like to drink. Those people like to party. Those people were, you're out in a town that is just, that is what it is. And the bubble was gone. I was on my own. I was hours away from anyone. My mom's gone, my dad's gone. It's just me, my church friends are gone. The devil would probably like to tell me that God's gone. And the test came on. And, and I remember one night, I went out and I just went out for a walk through the town because there's, there's pulls. You could, you could go drink. You could go do this. You could go do that. You fill in the blanks. The pulls of the world, whatever the blanks might be, that even would be a pull for you. But I began to think about it. And something struck me. This question struck me. And then what? And I began to ask myself the question, okay, if I, if I did this, if I drank, and then what? Well, and I know Brother, Brother Andrew did such an amazing job on Wednesday that our gifts are not why we serve God. But I, I still began to think of it, and I still think there, there, there would be the two sides to it. I mean, well, I, I play the bass guitar. If I started to drink, I mean, I couldn't go back and feel very good about that. And then, and then I'd have to go make it right. And I'd have to go do this. And, and I know that if I started to go down that path, and it struck me in that moment, just take a break for a year. Just go. Just backslide. It did. Just, just leave. You can leave. You could take a year. You could go, oh, who knows where I would have been. But for the grace of God, who knows where I would have been. But I asked this, and then what? And then, and then what? And then what would happen? And I realized something. That if I already knew that I was going to have to go make that right, and I was going to have to go make it right with my parents and, 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 and make it right here, and I, knew, and I knew I was coming back, then I realized that my desire wasn't to do it in the first place. I knew that deep down, no matter the pull, the temptation, and the trial, I didn't even really want to do it in the first place. And you could get freedom when you saw your true desire. When you start to realize, no, above all the other things, let me, let me just preach now. When you start to fall in love with Jesus, and you start to realize that Jesus is my one desire, that's the way to freedom. You want to say, how do I overcome lust? Fall in love with Jesus more. 
How do I overcome temptation for this or, or pride or popularity? If you fall in love with Jesus more, you don't want to hurt him because you realize those things, when you do them, you hurt him. And we don't, we don't, want, we don't want to hurt Jesus. He's our one desire. He's the one that we want. You want true freedom in your life. Recognize where your desire really lies. Ask yourself, and then what? what if, if I start to go down, I have these competing desires, I have this cognitive dissonance, I have this anxiety. The pull of the world is strong. The pull of my depression is strong. The pull of the suicidal thoughts are strong. They come. They're real thoughts that hit people. You're not alone. The pull, the pull of homosexual thoughts. The pull of all of these things. Everyone will fight different kinds of thoughts. There's no temptation that has taken you that's not common to man. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points. You name one thing that you say, oh, well, Jesus couldn't have been tempted by that. It's not what the Bible says. But now when you're pulled by those things, I wonder if we could turn to Romans chapter 8. This is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. I encourage you, this is a good one to study probably every month. <laughs> the whole chapter is just rich. Paul had just been finished saying, the things that I would do, I do not, and the things that I don't do, I would. And I have this pull between two different things in my flesh, but in my heart. Now he starts to speak from where his heart was at, his soul. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. What the devil will tell you, what the devil will tell you over and over again is, no, you, you can't quite live it. You can't quite overcome it. You can't quite get to freedom. He's lying. You can be completely free. Do we have temptation? Yeah. Will you fall? There'll be failures. But you can fly above all sin. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin con condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in who? In Jesus? In me and in you. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in me and you who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit, they, now here's the secret, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. The more that we feed on the things of the world, the more that we become hidden to God, the more we become visible to the world. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And it's, it's, sorry, I missed it. In, in verse 5 it says, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. Verse 7, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is subject, not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So often we get in the flesh. So often we get frustrated. So often we get all the ups and the downs. But if we can tap into that spirit realm, that true desire, and let that push out, 
But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if that any man have not the spirit of God, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. But if the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he paid as a perfect sacrifice for all of our sins, all of our griefs, all of our, he was the prince of peace. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. By his stripes we're healed. Everything was paid for in him. Now when he sent his Holy Spirit back on us as young people, me and you, not just, not just the, the preacher, not just your grandpa, not just your dad, not just your mom, but on me and you. We talk about a rapture, the day that our body is truly translated and changed and our body is changed. Some of us will get older, some of us will get younger. We talk about that as the day where we'll be perfect, yes. That is the day our body will be changed, yes. But that scripture says that he'll quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwells in you. That means that when we let the Holy Ghost in our lives, when we reach out in faith and say, oh God, fill me, it's for you, it's for me, he begins to quicken something on deep on the inside in your soul, and it begins to change your thinking, and it begins to change your immortal body. What do you mean, John? It begins to take away the desire of sin. It cleans out your mind. It begins to take away all the things that used to do. It's not just reserved for a rapture. It's reserved for today to live in victory, to live in peace, to live in freedom. Brother Branham would say, it so quickened them at the day of Pentecost, they laid their mortal hands on someone and they'd be healed. They were so quickened at the day of Pentecost, their bodies, their mortal bodies were quickened, changed their tongue, and they began to speak in tongues. That type of life is available to each and every one of you. Therefore, brethren, verse 12, we are debtors not to live, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify, put to death, the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. Did you know that Brother Branham says that each generation, the temptation gets ten times worse? That means you go through things I can't understand. Brother Andrew can't understand. Brother Ed can't understand. It got worse. It's worse than what we went through in school. It's worse than what we went through. Did you know that the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, and the flood gets ten times bigger, I'll add, God raises a standard. You're God's best. The best that God could have ever put on the earth. I've been looking at Charles Spurgeon, 
He was an incredible man of God. You want to read about a man in the late 1800s who preached and won souls for God. Incredible. The anointing that was there that's still there today. You look at Brother Branham. You look at Moses. You look at Elijah. You look at all these mighty men of God that God's put on. The mighty women like Esther and Mary and Sarah that served God in their day. You look at Brother Branham. You look at Sister Mita. You look at the life that they lived. And this is not to take away from anything that they've done. But I want to say to build faith. If God's running a relay, we think about a relay, and we've got the runners that go out, and then this one, and then that one. The very best, the fastest, the strongest would be me and you. And not just me, but I'll say you, because you're coming after me. The best in the world, the best of all history, is you. We, the privilege that we get to speak to, the best. The best, there's, there's no, there's no I, I, I don't know if you can catch the, I, I, this thought struck me a couple of days ago, and it's been just, my goodness. When you think of the preview of the bride, Brother Branham would see this perfect bride. You're a part of it. That's not just the others. That's just not the the grandparents or the parents. This is your message. This is your church. You're the generation that will take it all the way. The message is not just for those that have accepted it years ago or did missions work somewhere. It's a life. The message is not just some letter or some tape. It's a life that comes inside of you that quickens that desire you feel right now. That thing that begins to burn in your heart right now, begin to feed that, begin to give yourself away to that. The Bible says, let no man despise your youth. Let no man despise your youth. And I want to say to you, don't despise your youth yourself. I'm too young. I, many times you know way more than you think you do. You've been well taught. But the time has come to take the message, to lay everything else aside. Does that mean it's all day? That's not, I, let, me, let me try to clarify that. We have to go to school. We have to do our work. We have to study. We have to do our homework. But let that desire for God, that little something, begin to grow from a little spark to a fire. From a little fire to a flame. And let it consume you. It'll change how you think. The ups and downs and anxieties and angers and frustrations of life, you know what? Sometimes they'll get harder. But there'll be a desire that will mute that all when you realize, I know that my Redeemer lives I know he's the king of the world. I know he's the God of all creation. The Bible says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place through all generations. Even thou, before you brought forth the earth and the worlds or formed the mountains, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. And he chose you as his best. the ones that he'd put out last, right before on the cusp of a rapture. Let me say, you won't miss out for a moment. That one day, and it's not far away, I don't know when, but when it comes, 
All it is, there'll be a people that will be reading and praying. You say, how can I live? I'm sorry, I'm just going to go for a couple more seconds. How can, how, what, what does God want from me as a young person, as a child? There'll be adopted 13-year-old children of God that were filled with the Holy Ghost and walking with God called them to be. Who, what would that look like? One that read and prayed? Was getting into the tapes? Not that they were studying, the, you know, expected to know what the, how the vials typed with the, the, the trumpets or something. If you do, that's amazing. But that's not the point. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Fulfill that. The Bible says, young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. Look at Titus chapter 2. It talks about young women and young men. Fulfill what the word says about you. That's what you're going to be called to do. That will be the group that will be able to stand there and there'll be a crisis or a situation, maybe not far away, and you can speak the word. Say, God, I need this. I'm in a need. God will honor your word. That's not just for someone that's been in the message for 50,000 years. That's for someone that has faith in God, that's filled and that walks with God. There will be people, there was, there was, there's the story in the Bible of the workers that went out in the first hour and the second hour and the third hour and they went out and they would call each hour for new workers and there was a people called in the 11th hour and the others thought that maybe they didn't deserve the right reward or the same pay. They got the same pay. You're called right at the end of time. Run with everything you've got. When you come up against a wall, when you come up against that thing that you can't seem to, 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 to make it through, that battle, that struggle, that temptation, that trial, that complex, keep hitting it. Don't give up. Brother Branham would say in the message Thirst, he would talk about how, if I can find it, he would say, we find there's a great trouble today that too many people try to live between the two desires. For one of them desires the things of the earth, the other desires the thing of heaven. Like Paul says in Romans 7, when I would do good, then evil is nigh. Did you ever have that experience, Christians? That when you're trying to do something that's worthwhile, go to make an effort to do something that's good, then you find out that there's the devil on every hand. Just to upset you. That's one good thing. I'd like to say this, that the Christians might know, that when you're starting to do something, and there's something always trying to upset you in doing it, do it anyhow. That's the devil there trying to keep you from doing right. What's right? And many times I, find, I meet people that's prone to be a little nervous. When they find out that they're trying to do something, and everything is just blocking it off on both sides, well, it might not be the will of the Lord. He says, now don't let the devil lie to you like that. The first thing is to find out whether it is the will of the Lord. And if you want to know whether it's the will of the Lord or not, look in the Bible. There's the thing that will set you straight, is the word of God. Now, for instance, dropping down, like seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Many times I've run into people, well, I've sought the Holy Ghost. (laughs) And I just couldn't receive it. I know what that feeling is like. I, I don't quite know when I was born spiritually, and I don't quite know when I was born naturally. I don't remember... Exactly. But I remember that feeling of striving for it. And then do I, did I have it? Did I not? 
That's the biggest question many times for a young person. Do I have it or do I not? If I have it, how come I'm still struggling? If I don't have it, how come I didn't get it? I've tried so hard. But there's an answer. There's an anchor that can drop down and does drop down into your soul that you know. I don't believe it's for me. Every time I get down, I get sick. I go to praying, I feel sick. I, if I try to fast, I get sick. I'm kind of, sorry, I'm messing this up. Every time I get down, I get sick. I go to praying, I get sick. If I try to stay up all night, I get so sleepy. I can't get, my, can't get off my feet. Remember, that's the devil. God intends for you to have the Holy Spirit. It's for whosoever will. Brother Brandon would say this, and this might not maybe apply to a message home with good parents, but you let a young convert come to the altar tonight or in this tabernacle or out across the nation, just remember, tomorrow mother will be more angry than she ever was. Dad will be all upset. All the school kids. The point is everything goes wrong because it's Satan trying to get you to turn around. If you've had an experience at the altar and life went way worse after that, you were on to something. Don't stop now. When I would do good, evil is always nigh. I'll try to wrap up my thoughts. When we have that desire for freedom, when we have that desire to say, I want to live it, I know it's possible. The first step is to start to realize, I know it's possible. The devil will stop you there and say, I don't think it is. It's possible. Whatever that thing that's in front of you that you need to overcome, it's possible. If it's in the word, it's possible. Take a step towards it. David took, it to, David took his slingshot. He said, come at me, Satan. And it's not, we, we got to be careful when you can go both ways on that. But he knew that God was on his side. We need to have a tenacity to say, I'm going to rise and try again. Satan might put all the thoughts in the world in your mind. Satan might put all the things in the world in your mind. But you're more than an overcomer. When God said, it's not that God even said that he's enough for all your needs. He said he's more than enough. You're more than an overcomer. Because God does the overcoming. God comes and takes all of the desires. Those desires that God put in you, that desire, that deep that calls for a deep, it will be fulfilled. You can't lose. You can't be defeated. There's nothing, no height, no depth, no anything that can separate you from the love of God. And if God's called you, if he's chosen you, and he has, run after him. Don't let it go. If you have to wrestle all night like Jacob, if you have to, whatever you have to do, don't let go until you have what you need from God. If the musicians could come. Brother Brandon would say, now we're not a perfect people. We make our mistakes. We do things that's wrong. But you see, love covers all of that. We're willing, when we see our mistakes, to come back and apologize to one another. That's warriors, he said. That is really men and women that's gallant. Any man can go out to the battlefield that's got enough nerve to walk out there. But when he gets knocked down, that's the battle. 
when you get knocked down, then get up and try again. See, there used to be a song that a young man or woman used to sing, young woman used to sing in the church, if I fall or if I fail. He says, I forget how it goes. Let me rise and try again. Forgive me, Lord, and try me one more time. If I fall or if I sin, let me rise and try again. Just forgive me, Lord, and try me one more time. I wonder if we could play that, play that song, This Is My Desire. There's one more, one more quote I just want to read. I wonder if we could all stand, if I can find it. Usually I don't have paper. I think I'm lost. Maybe that's what it is. The head of... When Jesus came dealing with sin at Calvary, he killed sin. Listen to this quote. He killed every attribute that goes with it and completely redeemed us back to God. And today we are sons and daughters of God, perfectly redeemed by a perfect redeemer. Dropping down, we're not past temptation. That pull of the world is real. That pull of the world won't go away. But you can fly higher than that to a spot where it just doesn't even come to you. If you dip a little low, you might feel it again. Or the devil might try to pull you down, but you can get higher and higher. And he'll throw all kinds of things at you. That just happens. Recognize that. But don't let him lodge there. Don't let him stay there. He might throw you all kinds of temptations when you're long past it. We're not past temptation, neither are we above sin. But Jesus will help us in every temptation. And I know when I do wrong, I'm ready to repent. Anyone else that wants to live right with God, you don't desire to do wrong. But when Satan upsets you somewhere, there's an atonement waiting for me. If I confess my wrong, God's just to forgive it. The same thing when you're sick. It's no, no sign you're immune from sickness. But in every time God is willing to deliver you from the sickness, every time that you get sick, you go to God and you ask him, and then he's willing to deliver you. It's his will to heal you. It's his will to, de to deliver you because there's an atonement. It's based upon your faith in that atonement, which is your redemption. And we know that, if th that this joy that we have. He says this, but it's a sure thing. When I know a temptation comes up, I'd flee to him my refuge and then God delivers me from that temptation and sets me free my heart rejoices and the glory bells ring you make it through a temptation without falling feels good keep doing it it'll get addicting one freedom will lead to another and another and another till total freedom I look back and I think oh God how did you do it because it's not us the more you try to overcome the more miserable you'll be but the more that you let God let go and let God overcome, you'll overcome. How happy I am. He says this, and I hope I have the second page because it's about to change the page. 
know if I'll have it, but when you're really badly tempted on something, if you'll just make Jesus your refuge and shut your eyes and pass right by it, it'll be the sweetest thing. I'm not sure if that was the last word because I can't find the second page, but he says it'll be the sweetest. When you're really badly tempted on something, if you'll just make Jesus your refuge, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. What power does that have, John? Try it. Truly look to him. If you can get your eyes on the world, he'll pull you to the world. Satan will pull you down. Brother Brown talks about a snake, that if a snake could just catch that little bird's eye in the tree and begin to hypnotize it and entrance it, I don't know if that's a word, you could pull that bird right out of the tree and lure it down and eat it. But if that bird could ever break eye contact, he can get out of there. That snake has nothing on him. That snake is under his feet. The more you look to Jesus, the more you pull your eyes away from all of the other things, Satan will rattle you with all kinds of mud in the day. If you can take one scripture verse in your head, in your heart, the overcoming power will be there and you can begin to walk in freedom. Oh, this is my desire to honor you. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. give you my soul. I Give you my heart. 
I give you my soul. I live for you alone. And every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, have your way in me. How many has that desire? Let me say this. If you think of that little story of that day the bubble will pop and you'll be on your own and you, you say, I, I don't know if I'll have the strength. I don't know if I'm in the right place. Reach out to him tonight. Say, oh God, there's something I'm missing in life. I can't overcome. I can't. I'm not where I ought to be. The devil feels like he could pull me. Reach out to him tonight. If we could sing that song, Something Keeps Holding Me. He's here. He wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. The trials of this world were getting closer. The pull I felt was more than I could bear. And I was on the verge of giving over The strength within myself just wasn't there But something keeps holding me My trials, He's guiding me constantly, giving me victory, cause He's a reality, something keeps holding 